If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofsetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Rachel, I know we're not supposed to play favorites with retailers, but I have a question for you. Okay, what? What is your preferred way to shop for groceries these days? Like, I don't mean like which retailer, I mean like which method. Is it like click and collect, straight up brick and mortar, like a marketplace, like an Instacart, or the direct delivery from the grocer itself? So I have a routine. Every Sunday night, I have two tabs open, Instacart and then Amazon Prime Whole Foods. And pretty much I'm trying to figure out which one of them has my frozen yogurt bars in stock. <laughs> I got to tell you, I was the same way for a while in the beginning with like Halo Top. Halo Top was like impossible to find. And then I got really sick of it. Guess what, client? And we help them with inventory. Well, it's working because legit, I have been able to find them. I'm, I, I'm, I'm very loyal to the pops now. I've moved from pint to pop. I realized Mm. that eating a whole pint is probably not a great idea, even when it's low calorie, but I digress. That said, I mean, talk about, we're talking about frozen food. I think retailers have really upped their game on last mile delivery. I mean, it's far from perfect, but on a very personal level, it's really great to not have to worry about going to a grocery store anymore. Yeah. I mean, we think about this from the consumer angle, but let's think about this from corporate America. These behemoth food brands, man, has their life changed within 2020, and it must be organizational chaos. I I can't even begin to imagine all of the different groups that have had decades of ingrained behavior and, you know, clear roles and responsibility, probably supply chain that's operating like, you know, military clockwork. And then this e-commerce thing happened. So imagine being the e-commerce lead when e-commerce went from low single digits from a revenue perspective to being thrust into the spotlight. And that's what happened to Diana Housling, who is now vice president of e-commerce and Omnishop for marketing at the Campbell Soup Company, who was just promoted from director of e-com and shopper. I think that's a reflection both of her abilities because she kicks ass. It's also a reflection of the importance of e-commerce in organizations like this. She was thrust into the spotlight and boy, does she shine. Let's talk to her more about that experience and how she's connecting the dots across Campbell. Thank you so much 
for agreeing to be with us today. Thank you for having me. I feel like I'm in really great company. You are part of the Curly Hair Club today. Loving it, loving it. As much as I would love to spend an hour talking about hair care, we're going to talk about food. And we're going to talk about the impact of everything that's been going on in 2020. And what does that mean for for you? What does that mean for your business? What does that mean for your job? So let's jump right in. You know, probably when you started out the year, you were like, pretty like people knew you in the office like oh yeah she like knows about e-commerce she's she's like my go-to person if that ever becomes important and now you're like the most popular kid in school what's changed and tell us about like how it feels and, and what's really changed yeah it is crazy the way things have shifted i used to have to push my way in to get a meeting to talk about e-commerce it was one of the least favorite topics for my marketing friends Now I am Mrs. Popularity, but it feels a little bit different than um, what I was hoping for when I thought about this back way back in the day when e-commerce was going to spike. Now, and I've told you this before, Sarah, it really does feel like that little kid soccer game. My boss uses this analogy all the time. Everyone's swarming the ball. There's a couple of people that are just picking flowers out of nowhere. But everybody's kind of going after the same thing. So as I enjoy the popularity, the passion, and the eagerness without knowledge is a tricky situation to be in, especially when those folks are several layers above your pay grade and you at one point in time want to get promoted. It's just tricky waters to navigate. But you know, it is exciting that there is so much visibility for this space right now and tons of opportunity. Dana. Where do you feel the knowledge gaps are right now? Is it understanding profitability in e-com? Is it digital shelf? Is it retail media? Where are the knowledge gaps? Yes, yes, and yes. Um, It's all the way across the board from the fundamentals, what actually gets the algorithm going to, you know, where should we go next and first to what's happening right now to what is a digital shelf? Even just defining the word like omni-channel is controversial. Everybody has their own perspective, their own lexicon, and navigating those waters is tricky. Um, It can be done, but it does require a bit of patience. And luckily, I'm a mom of an eight-year-old boy, so I've got that down. Mm. Where did you learn these things? Growing up in CPG, where was your opportunity to learn about e-com? So being the product of CPG, I really focused my career on depth and breadth. I worked in stores. I packed out boxes in Walmarts. I called on customers directly. I uh, worked in marketing. So really having touched all of those different points, you really get a feel for. Back in my Hershey days, my bosses used to tell me, you will never sell a bad product into a store or launch a bad product because you know what it feels like to have to get rid of that product from the back room and how disgusting it is. So that will make you a better marketer. That will make you a better sales executive. So having that experience and also working in a ton of different markets. So right out of school, I reload eight times. It wasn't ideal for my social life, but it was awesome for my career development. Uh, You name a retailer, most likely I've worked on it. You need a city. I've lived in a lot of them and a lot of them you probably don't even know the names of. And I lived there too. So that breadth of experience allows me to have a viewpoint that's outside of my bubble. And I think that's what helps keep me grounded. Mm. You talk about that lexicon and the diversity of experience that you've had across an organization. And it seems like marrying those two is the holy grail for a success 
of a well-running e-commerce operation. How do you play that role of master translator of what these either data points or impacts mean for supply chain, for marketing, for sales, giving you A, done all of those jobs and the fact that e-commerce actually impacts all of that? I think part of it is the approach. Often people that are talking about e-commerce or tech, you know, it's really sexy to use like the words and the lexicon that the industry is using, but it can be off-putting to some folks who are really smart, but may not just have that knowledge base. So really allowing for that learning curve, you know, keeping it simple. There's some simple one-on-ones. Hey, here's all that you need to know to be dangerous, giving folks that roadmap so they can make decisions operationalizing things, like helping them conceptualize like why this is actually important to me. As a salesperson, it's not just about e-commerce or as a marketer, e-commerce, which right now feels doesn't feel as big to them. It's really about the implications of the entire you know, retailer landscape. What's going to happen in store is also impacted by what happens in e-commerce and click and collect and really helping them understand how all the dots connect is, is the simplest form to bring everyone in the fold. E-commerce, it's so important to be collaborative. It, you, it just has to be a collaborative model. You can't have just one group that's like the center of excellence for all things and expect it to work perfectly. You really do have to be that conductor that helps bring all of those subject matter experts to bear so that you can go after this problem holistically. Mm-hmm. You were sort of getting at org design around e-commerce we're talking to a breadth of different executives like yourself and there's a lack of consistency of where e-commerce sits within an organization. Given that you've had such vast experience, if you had to design, you know, next generation CPG company, that's omnichannel, where would the e-commerce function sit within the organization? I'm going to give you a cop-out answer, which is it depends on that organization's ecosystem and how that organization works. Mm. Because I've seen different e-com models across several of the companies that I've worked for, whether it's Hersey, General Mills, or Campbell's. And really what sticks is what works for that culture. Mm. Basically, what we just talked about is really being that conductor. If you can't influence the different functions, then you're not able to make that work. So in some organizations where sales is kind of driving the strategy and the initiative, it makes sense for it to sit in sales. In some organizations that are more marketing driven, it's got to be closer to the PNL. It really does depend on where your organization's culture is. I think the second thing to consider is also your maturity curve in the e-commerce space. So if you really think about it, depending on where you are, you're either going to need a center of excellence if you're not as well developed to start to really build those muscles and skill sets across the organization, or if you're already more developed and more mature within the space, then you really have to think about, okay, how am I making sure each function keeps their skill set up? And in each function within the organization, I have that muscle that's really, really working hard. So that's my halfway answer of saying it all depends. You honestly spoken like a true executive coach. I just started with a new coach <laughs> talking about a totally different subject yesterday. And it's, his question to me was, where does the power sit within the company? And, and that really shifts your thinking around what capabilities do you want to bring to market and, and how are you incentivizing people within the organization? So that resonates. Nice. Kind of going a little deeper on that, the lines are blurring. That's probably the most clear. And so the importance of influence is there, but also trying to almost connect the dots to say like, 
if I'm responsible for consumer media, should I also be responsible for retailer media? It used to be consumer marketing and shopper marketing, you know, never the twain shall meet. So before you walk into a target, you're one human being. And once you get into the target, you're a different human being. All those lines have blurred. So with the importance of brand discovery being higher than ever before, because people have to actually seek you out more digitally now than ever before. How are you thinking about things like retail media? Yeah, I, you said it perfectly. It is super gray and it really requires a hybrid model because you do have to be able to understand the shopper aspect of it and also the retailer components. You know, what are their strategies? What are they going after? What's important for them? And what are the intersections between your company strategies and theirs? And how do you make one plus one equal three. Um, so you really have to have that kind of mindset, but it still is media. Um, and we still need to think about it and compare it to traditional media. It's just the KPIs and the expectations are going to be slightly different. Um, so that is going to re require teams and CPG to work differently. And that's going to be the challenge. The companies that figure out how to make this work and work differently and more agile and don't have those archaic viewpoints as this is shopper marketing, this is sales, this is marketing. Those are the ones that you're going to see really propel forward. Uh, the other CPG organizations who get really stuck in those archaic uh, traditional um, roles are going to be the ones that kind of really don't find their way. Um, the companies that really do it well are going to be the ones that are going to partner with retailers and help influence where this space is going. And the rest are just going to be fast followers. Can you give an example of like something great that you've seen in action or maybe the whole idea of necessity is the mother of invention post-COVID, something really that you don't think would have happened before, but is now happening? Um, I think partnerships with third-party services like Instacart and Shipt. Um, I think before we would have uh, probably seen them, you know, as more transactional, like, you know, they're a part of the strategy, but now they're integral to the strategy. Um, at Campbell's, we have awesome activations that we do. We started to do um, one for the holidays called Joy Night In, and it was a partnership not only with Campbell's and Walmart, but also with Hallmark um, and Pop Sugar. So if you think about that combination, that's not like a likely combination you will see. But as you think through consumers' experience and the journey, it, we were really there for them for the entire holiday season, even while they were watching their Hallmark movies, whether or not they wanted to admit it. We were right there with them, a part of that experience, and becoming making that emotional connection that translated all the way to the shelf. And that's really how we want to start to engage and talk to consumers more. So just to go even, even one level deeper on that, and then Rachel, I promise you, you, you will take over the conch. One of the things that I had, I had remembered seeing, and I, I think I sent it to you, I can't even remember if I did, was I went to do my shopping at Walmart, I did click and collect, and they gave me a little coupon booklet that had some Campbell products in it. Was that a post-COVID optimization or that was already in the plans? So those were already in the plans, but I would say post-COVID, we have stepped that up a bit. Um, OG sampling and really uh, kind of engaging and targeting consumers was already a part of our plan. If you think about any kind of sampling strategy, 
you could go with a third party vendor partner or you can do it with Walmart, who's basically national. So, and you see a lot of the retailers are doing this to bring folks back into the fold. It's really all about getting that on that previously purchased list and keeping to drive that. So the more we can incent and convert there, the more, the better it is for our brands. Um, but the better it is for us to stop the switching, which is the biggest thing that um, has me up at night right now. So um, going off of that, you know, at Micmac, I would say the biggest consistent trend we've seen across all the diverse categories that we work on is when the products are out of stock, customer puts competitive product in the cart because today it's about needs, not wants. So I'm curious, you know, you seem to have such a, a vision for organizational design around e-com. What tools or solutions are you guys using internally to try to have a central view of the customer? across channels and across retailers, like supply chain to sale. What does that look like? So it's really about your data integration strategy and IT has become my best friends. Um, I tell them that every call we get on because you have to have a data lake strategy. You really have to think through your data inputs in a different way. It's not just about your typical syndicated data, but it's really to your point all of those pieces, the supply chain implications, where people are ordering from, and how do you take that data and put it in a, a way in a system, either dashboards or however you feed it into your organization so it's usable. We all have tons of data. It's what we do with it and what we can get out of it that's actionable that's the most important thing. So really focusing in first on what do we want to learn and understand, and then what data inputs do we need so that we can go do that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the biggest, I, I think right now everybody's just, give me data, I want as much data as possible, but not really thinking through what is that KPI or that goal they're trying to accomplish and what it's going to take for them to get there. Mm-hmm. 100%. So many changes in the industry. If all of a sudden you were given a pot of money, let's say $100 million bucks to invest in some form of e-com, where would you place your bets right now? Like looking ahead to 2025. I feel like this is the question where they ask you, the celebrities, what they do with their first million. And it's like, I bought a Gucci bag. Well, <laughs> I, my answer is like the most, the least sexy answer of all. Um, it's the fundamentals. Your content has to be right. Is your search strategy where it needs to be? What are your brand safety guardrails? Like I'm buying home insurance right now with my first million. Like that's really what I'm focused on right now. And I think across the board more than ever, the fundamentals are what are going to make and break a brand. We have a fantastic production team at Campbell's, giving them the resources to actually do some really cool things for content um, and conversion tactics would be like top on my list. Um, And then maybe I would buy the Gucci bag. (laughs) Or maybe it comes with it, you know, buy the fundamentals, get a free Gucci Mm -hmm. bag. I'd like to be a part of any promotion that has the, and get a free Gucci bag. (laughs) Although what I'd have to invest in order to get there is a little scary. I mean, BB, the idea of what you're talking about with the fundamentals is almost about protecting and defending your space. He talks about getting on the reorder list. The list is like the, the holy grail, getting on the list, building that home insurance. Like there's so many fundamentals. How, could, how would you advise other people in your position in other companies to raise awareness about the importance of the fundamentals in order to be the right foundation for building blocks for the future. Yeah, that goes back to just Ecom 101. I think it's as simple as that and, and creating that, hey, operational design, 
This is how you impact. Hey, you want to get that planogram up and running? This is your digital planogram. How do you translate it into a language that people are accustomed to? And, and giving them then the tools and the steps in order to actually drive some um, type of advancement there. So we, we look at our content and we measure it and we set goals, but we also have very distinct portfolio roles, category roles, and customer segmentation because we, can't, we don't have $100 million that are, we're just throwing at it. So you can't be all things to all people. So where are you going to say, that's where we're going to go make an impact that's what we're going to win. And that's where we're going to drive home. Because there's so much white space right now. There's so much opportunity. If you don't focus on where you can make the most impact, uh, you really will dilute any progress you make. Diana, you're such a wealth of knowledge. And I hate that I have to bring this home to our final question. But it's actually my favorite question. Mm-hmm. What is the bravest thing that you've ever done? I, oh, well, the bravest thing I ever done. I'm a black woman in corporate America. So taking up space, showing up, using my voice, especially in those rooms where society uh, and corporate America tells me that people like me don't belong. Um, I think that's the bravest thing I've done. But really showing up like my authentic self, you know, being able to really push the status quo, uh, because people who typically look like me aren't the ones that they expect to have the bold ideas and to feel comfortable pushing back um, and to lead big teams. And so just being really comfortable, making a lot of people very uncomfortable and being really good at what I do. That's the bravest thing I've done. Diana for president. (laughs) I love that. You know, you're just setting the bar way too high for our next guest. (laughs) That's the problem. Like that was a Fabulous answer, and we are so. As a board member, I'm thrilled to have you at Campbell. Um, but as as a fellow partner in crime on advancing e-commerce knowledge and ability and adoption, I think you speak with both conviction, but also uh, confidence and tremendous subject matter expertise and I'm just so thankful that well thank you you joined us today that you're sharing your knowledge with the rest of the industry thank you Diana well thank you for giving the platform because that's part of it making space and giving platforms for people who don't necessarily look like you that's how we actually start to shift things around so thank you both for having me and I'm really excited to be a part of this experience Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at 
Edelman and the host of Touch of True, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice. Meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.